Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Detola, and I'd like to welcome you to this clinical presentation. Today we're going to take a closer look at Procera zirconia. Procera is a name that many dentists are familiar with from their alumina-based restorations, but a lot of the dentists that I speak with don't know that Procera has a zirconia-based restoration as well. Zirconia-based restorations are coming up on their eight-year anniversary and they're performing very well. I haven't seen any frameworks break out of the hundreds and hundreds of units that I've placed. Recently here in the operatory, we had a shootout. We prepped a single unit anterior tooth on a patient. We made seven different crowns to try into her mouth. The winner was Procera zirconia, which was a little bit of a surprise for us. And I realized that I hadn't been paying enough attention to this important restoration. One of the nice things about Procera zirconia-based restorations is the fact that you can actually make them as large as a 14-unit bridge. That's currently the largest zirconia-based bridge we have available in the laboratory. Let's go ahead and take a closer look at some clinical cases utilizing Procera zirconia. This first case is a female patient who's got some broken composites, some worn incisal edges, uh, mainly on teeth 7, 8, 9, and 10. And there's some radiographic caries on these teeth underneath some old composites. And really, she's got a lot that needs to be done on the lower as well. But she wants to start with these front teeth with uh, crowns on 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then we're going to do veneers on... 11, 12, 13, and then over on the other side on numbers 5 and 6. So it's no prep veneers on 5, 6, 11, 12, 13, and Procera zirconia crowns on 7, 8, 9, and 10. Very first thing we do before we do anything else, take the shade before the teeth get dehydrated. In fact, this is the Vita Easy Shade. Since this was filmed, we now have the Vita Easy Shade Compact, the cordless version of this, which is a lot smaller easier to use and very simple to carry from operatory to operatory. So this is job number one. This is the very first thing that gets done when the patient walks in. Uh, they can fill out paperwork or whatever before you start taking pre-impressions or anesthetizing. Get the shade while the teeth are still fully hydrated. This is the profound topical anesthetic going on. I'm a big believer in doing as much pain feed dentistry as possible. Ooh, look at that. She has an aphthous ulcer there above tooth number 10. That I'm glad you saw, was there before we started working. And there is the STA device, which has made giving multiple carpules of anesthesia very stress-free for me. I still hear you see me wiggling the lip. Little holdover that I learned from my father for the two years we practiced together and gives nice slow anesthesia and doesn't hurt. So it's time for us to start preparing. I'm going to break a contact here between these front two teeth with the 856-025 burr. One of the things I like about prepping eight and nine is being able to do this kind of simultaneous uh, axial reduction on both of these teeth and break contacts at the same time. So this is the first step of the reverse prep technique. Anywhere we have teeth next to each other that we're preparing, we'll use the 856 025 to break a contact and for example on the distal of number 10 as you see here where we're not going to be prepping tooth number 11 this is the 856 016 burr a skinnier burr being used to uh, go in between the teeth since we're not prepping number 11. Uh, we would place the cords at this point if in fact we were going to impress today but we're not going to take our impression so I'm going to the next step of the reverse prep technique this is the 801 021 round burr 
And you can see we use that along the free gingival margin and we put in the round burr about halfway. Now something to consider on this case is how much we're going to prepare. So I'm going to take the bio temps that we made ahead of time and I'm going to measure these because you've seen some wear on the teeth that are in her mouth. So we may not have to prep a full two millimeters from the incised ledge. So I'm measuring the bio temp, for example, at tooth number eight. And this looks to be about 10.5 millimeters, which is the average size of a central incisor. And that's about where 10.5 is. So I'm measuring. Uh, I took a look to see where 10.5 was. It seemed to be about a millimeter longer than the tooth. And I'm measuring the actual tooth. And it's right about 9 0.5. So to do my two millimeters of reduction, one millimeter's already been done. So you can see I'm using the one millimeter depth cutter on the incisal edge. Typically you'll see me use the two millimeter depth cutter on the incisal edge to make sure we reduce two millimeters. You can see we're not even going to touch tooth number nine. It's already had two millimeters of incisal reduction done just through parafunctional activity by the patient or trauma, whatever caused it to be lost. So that's pretty much all the incisor reduction that needs to be done. We'll just connect those depth cuts. And now we're doing our 1.25 depth cut on the facial surface of these teeth, making this hole at the junction of the incisal and the middle third of the tooth where those two come together. So just below where the incisal edge depth cuts are. You can see that dropping into place right here. And then we're going to go and prep all those teeth until all those depth cuts are gone. Once the depth cuts are no longer visible, we know that we have, in fact, reduced enough from the incisal edge. And importantly, on these anterior teeth, a very common mistake we see dentists make is to leave the labial incisal angle too far to the facial. In other words, they under-reduce the labial incisal line angle and you end up with preps that are kind of bucky that still stick out too far to the facial. This line angle right along there along the incisal and here I'm actually just smoothing some of the other uh, axial depth cuts that I've placed in there with the gingival margin. Once you have those depth cuts into place you can go ahead and just start removing uh, all the enamel from the teeth and now it just becomes a matter of how quickly can you get the tooth down to its shape. Of course, on the lingual, we want to use a convex burr to end up with a concave shape. So that's a 379023 coarse football diamond being used on the lingual surface of those teeth, on the cingulum, to hopefully create enough room in our crown for some lingual anatomy. Of course, the uh, most gingival two millimeters on the lingual surface, we want to be parallel to the facial surface. So the, round, the football burr does not go all the way down to the gingiva. The biotemps are being tried in to check for passive fit, and they did fit passively, and they went all the way down, and the margins were right on. Sometimes you get a perfect fit like that with a just drop into place. Sometimes you don't, and we've got a biotemps DVD showing how to troubleshoot and how to uh, use some quicker methods of seeding these. Since these went down all the way, you can see my assistant is just cleaning off the excess bisacryl. This is Luxatemp, and she's cleaning that off with an Explorer as she holds the bridge in place. If there's any margins that were open when you did this, you would leave the reline material there and let it set all the way before you trim it back. And we're checking the bite now on the biotemps to make sure it's okay. A little trick while relining the biotemps is have the patient bite all the way down. 
And as long as you have a passive fit of the biotemps, if the patient's biting down in maximum intercuspation when you reline it, chances are that the occlusion will be fine on the bridge afterwards. You can see she's seating this now with some temp bond, and you can see she's got multiple pieces of glide floss sitting in the gingival embrasures to help the cleanup effort. You know, it's difficult to get all the temp bond out interproximally sometimes on a bridge like this. So this is one way to do it by starting with the glide floss with a knot in it in place and then just pull that through afterwards. You want to make sure you've opened up the biotemps so you have an open gingival embrasure and you also want to make sure that you don't leave any cement in there as a result of it. A piece of temp bond or temporary cement that stays in place for two weeks will cause gingival irritation and blunting of the papilla. So the biotemps are done here and the patient is ready to be sent home. Everything looks good and now it's our next impression. This is the impression where we're going to finish up the preparations and we're going to take our master impressions. So again, the profound is used. Patients anesthetized with the STA device. And the temps are removed and now we're using a caries detector. This is called Exposé from Centric. I love that it's impregnated on the little uh, micro brush that you can see. So basically you just leave the dent and wet a little bit and take that brush and scrub it into any area where you have some suspected decay and it leaves a green area after you rinse it off. So we've got a round burr going in here removing the rest of the decay. It's just a little more convenient to use than a caries detector that's in a syringe where you have a tendency to spill or waste too much. You basically just take one of these micro brushes and rub it against the dent and it'll show you anywhere where you still have decay. So we use it again to verify that in fact all the decay is gone. And now we're using a self-etching flowable composite. Look at this. So we've cleaned out the decay in the hole and now we have a self-etching resin composite so there's no separate etching step, no separate bonding step. Literally we've just prepared the decay away and then as we scrub that self-etching flowable composite into place and shape it, we then light cure it and smooth it off. That's a pre-market version that's not out yet but I'll certainly keep you updated on that when it officially comes out because I love it. I use it on almost every DVD, every prep that you see now to fill in little holes without having to go through all the separate etching steps. Again, that's a self-etching flowable composite and it's a great new addition to any crown and bridge technique. As preparation to take the impression, you can see the double zero cord is being put into place. My assistant flosses it in on the mesial for me. She could floss it in on the distal too, but uh, being a little impatient, I just start packing it right away and getting to work. So all of those double zero cords are in place around all four of the teeth. You can see the little purple line subgingival. So there I am using my favorite burr to finish off a prep. That's a fine grit. See the red stripe? 856025. And this is the perfect way to smooth it. Now I've got an electric handpiece, so I've got the speed turned way down to 6,000 RPMs and using no water so I can see exactly what I'm doing. One of the big, big advantages of electric handpiece is being able to turn the speed way down and go in there and be able to finish it without the water on. If you turn the water back on at that point and use it, you'll see just how much detail is obscured by the water as you're using it. Obviously, when we're using it full speed, we have the water on. But when we really want to go in there and smooth off the margins and smooth all the line angles and make sure everything's where we want it, that's a big advantage of an electric handpiece. The size 2E cords have been placed on top of the double zeros, those green cords. The four copper caps go into place and the patient bites together on those for 
eight to ten minutes and then we're going to pull the top cord out of there and end up with a nice wide sulcus and we'll squirt our medium body syringe material onto the preps there's the custom tray with the heavy body material that i'm going to seat into place here i love custom trays they save on impression material and the tray fits perfectly every time there's my assistant taking over holding the impression and there is the impression with the kind of marginal detail we've come to expect from the two cord technique so now my dental assistant is taking the bite registration. Notice she's only squirting it onto the four prepared teeth. We still see a lot of bite registrations come into the laboratory where the entire arch has been covered. That makes them less accurate. The only place you need bite registration is where the preps are. So two weeks later, we're wiggling off the biotemps one last time, hopefully. And now we're cleaning up with the sonic scaler. This Cabo sonic scaler is just a great way to make sure that Every little piece of temporary material is removed. The combination of the sonic scaler and my loops make sure that all the preps are clean. And now we're going to go ahead and try on the Procera Zirconia crowns. First of all, we try them one by one and then check the marginal fit with an explorer to make sure they fit. Then we try them on as a group to check the contacts. And here's the patient looking at it with the mirror. And she approves. I'm out of the room for that, by the way. That's just her and my assistant kind of talking, deciding if they like it. Once they do, we're going to go ahead and place crowns on teeth number eight and nine first with Maxim Elite, a self-etching resin cement. And here are the orangewood sticks, which, to be honest with you, I just found out recently are pinewood sticks. So I'm using the pinewood sticks on the distal incisal corner. Why do that? Well, if anything, you know, you can see these crowns having a tendency maybe uh, to rotate. A they shouldn't move at all. But what if they were to tip towards the distal because we don't have a tooth there as a guide? I just told them on the distal incisal to make sure that we have a nice closed diastema between tooth number eight and tooth number nine. And now we're cleaning up that cement. Love these self-etching resin cements. Very strong bond to the tooth and without having to go through a separate etching step just a really really neat advancement in the cements uh, that we use and teeth number seven and ten are going on next again this is procera zirconia with that zirconia substructure uh, we have a ton of strength there so there's really no fear at all just uh, leaning into these teeth with the pine wood stick there's nothing you could do there's no way you could break these crowns with uh with that stick. In fact, that's one of the luxuries of trying in these crowns. The patient can bite together and, and check to make sure that the occlusion is right on or close uh, before you actually cement these so you can polish them out of the mouth, which is nice. So a little cleanup with some Glide Floss, and it's time for the no-prep veneers. That is Whip Mix's fine product, Preppies, being used at premix pumice on uh, teeth number 11, 12, and 13, and then being rinsed off. And we want to make sure that we've got no salivary pellicle, no plaque there. Uh, one of the nice things about no prep veneers, you can get the acid etch right up onto the gingiva. And you will not have any bleeding on healthy tissue. And this tissue is healthy because there hasn't been temporary veneers in place for the last two weeks. And so as a result, you don't have to worry about um, spontaneous bleeding if the etch happens to touch the tissue like you do if there's been temporaries on. So... Once the etch has been on place on the enamel for about 15 seconds, going to rinse it off and then dry it. What a nice feeling it is to dry it. And this is just the OptiBond adhesive from the old school bonding system. Remember, we're bonding strictly to enamel here, so no need for any dentin bonding agent. So none of the one-bottle, uh, you know, two-bottle systems. Is, or if you have an old two-bottle system, that's what we use. It's just the adhesive, no primer. 
is probably a better way to say it. So we air thin that, and then we go ahead and cure this thin layer of adhesive onto the tooth. Could you place the veneer first and then cure it? Absolutely, you could. That's the Cur Demi unit, the light cure unit. And there's my assistant handing me another veneer on a surgical suction tip. Can you see that? These little no-prep veneers, very difficult to hold in place because they're small and they're just not as big as a regular veneer. So we use the surgical suction tip as these veneers go into place. I also don't contaminate the cement with my gloved finger when I do that, and neither does she. You can see the orange wood sticks. These are no prep veneers, but these are not uh, tender and gentle as uh, I think some people imagine them to be. I mean, if you press straight down on the facial surface with a stick, you'll probably break it. But you'll notice most of the time I press from the incisal first and the facial um, second. You know, I try to put the veneer on kind of halfway. There it was. Did you see it slide towards the gingiva? You want to set it in place initially so it still has to slide to the, the gingiva when you push it with the stick. What was that, a one-second cure? If that, from my assistant, let's check the cement. This is Nexus 3 from Kerr, and you can see how quickly that is set. And usually as I get back here, the distal of that tooth is going to need a little extra half-second cure. And uh, here is our serrated strips for Maxis Dental. You simply cannot do this type of dentistry without a strip like this. Some people like the discs that you hold. I, I like having this whole cutting area so that if I bend it one area, I can move to another part. I like the leverage that I get being able to hold those strips. They're kind of a hassle to use because of cutting lips and cheeks, but... You can see with this retractor, the Seymour retractor that's in here that uh, from Discus Dental, that it makes it harder to cut the lip. You know, you can a lot of times have that serrated strip actually pulling along the plastic retractor, which is fine, so it doesn't hurt it. And then with the Demi Light, she's going to go ahead and cure each veneer for 40 seconds, which is plenty, 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 plenty. I mean, imagine these veneers are three-tenths of a millimeter thick. Very easy to get the light cure uh, through them. Here is a fine grit, a red stripe, 379023, being used to dial in the occlusion on these. Since they just barely wrap the incisal edge, there's typically no occlusal problems with these no-prep veneers. You just have to check the excursions typically once or twice. And that's a one-gloss wheel from Shofu being used to polish the outside surface of the ceramic, make sure all the resin's gone. And that is a new articulating paper, a disposable articulating paper called Troll Foil. Uh, from the uh, great little uh, product that uh, somebody sent to me. And I didn't think I was going to like it, and I tried it, and I love it. And uh, our new that's our new articulating paper. Again, you can see pushing. Hopefully, when we push down on the incisal, it'll slide towards the gingiva. As the veneer slides towards the gingiva, it dissipates some of the force, whereas if you set it right into place and just shove it straight down onto the tooth, which causes it to flex. Wow. There's her before in the upper left. You can see how worn those teeth are and how yellow. There's her after. You can still see that PFM on tooth number four. <laughs> I wish she would have let me replace that. See that on number four, that one peeking out in the back of her smile. But you can see how nice the rest of those teeth look. And then we'll flip over to the other side. And she looks good on her left lateral shot as well. How easy, how nice is that to be able to finish off a smile like that with a couple no prep veneers on the cuspids and the first and second bicuspids. So great case, great combination of Procera, Zirconia crowns, and no prep V veneers on the adjacent teeth.
The other clinical cases on this DVD are relatively straightforward in an aesthetic sense because they are multiple restorations. This is a tough one. This is the single unit anterior crown, the biggest challenge for any of us, whether it's the laboratory or the dentist. You can see the gingiva is completely irritated in that area as well. So there's something going on at the margin that's not good, and we're going to have to take this crown off. I mean, I know what it is just from reaching with the Explorer under the tissue and... Uh, and feeling it, you know, we've got a rough margin that feels to be a little bit open in places. So we're putting the Profound on 45 to 60 seconds. We'll rinse it off. And here I am using the STA unit to deliver some anesthesia. And before we do anything else, while the teeth are still warm and wet, we're going to go ahead and use our Vita Easy Shade uh, to get some readings here. And you can see it's telling me to take uh, the middle third, measuring middle, as it says there. We've already done the cervical third. Now it's time to measure the incisal. And it says measuring incisal, and it comes up with a shade reading on that uh, tooth next to it. And you can see quickly it flashed up uh, what the shades were, A1, B1. And that's one way to do it where you measure it in thirds, or you can manually do it in thirds as I'm doing here. That's an A1 in the cervical third. And it pops as, as an A1 in the middle third and doing the incisal third. And we get a B1 for the incisal third. And you'll go back and forth and do it because sometimes you get uh, different readings in, um, in different areas just based where you are. I mean, teeth are not broken up into nice little tidy thirds in terms of shade like we would want it to be. So you saw some A1s and some B1s there. Typically, you know, A1 in the cervical third and maybe B1 in the incisal and the middle third. So we take digital photographs with those shade tabs in place and send it to the laboratory as well. Why? Because they need to see the adjacent tooth to try to be able to nail this crown. We've got a natural tooth on number nine, and we've got an uh, all-ceramic crown we're replacing on tooth number eight, and it's going to be really, really difficult. So in addition to using the easy shade to give us the right shades, we're going to also take digital photographs with these shade tabs in place and forward those to the technician because that really closes the whole loop. The easy shade is to make sure that we use the right shade tabs in the right places in the photographs. And you can see we've got it lined up incisal edge to incisal edge. We want the shade tab in the same plane as the tooth itself. Now, obviously that's impossible to do when we've got um, the cervical third because the if we're going to put the cervical third of the shade tab next to the cervical third of the tooth, it's obviously going to be sticking a couple millimeters facially from the tooth itself. But when we place them incisal edge to incisal edge as we've got here, now the shade guide and the tooth are in the same plane. And so when we photograph them, the flash affects both of them the same way. And you can see it. Now, we got a couple different readings for uh, a B1 uh, and an A1 when we put uh, those shade tabs there. So um, we're going to use both the B1 and the A1 by the incisal so the technician can see what both of those look like next to that adjacent too. So we don't just do the easy shade and get the number and then send it in and say, okay, it was uh, A1 in the cervical third and B1 in the middle and the incisal third. You could do that, and we do do that for posterior teeth. Or if we're doing a bunch of anterior teeth, if we're doing crowns on 7, 8, 9, and 10, and they're all going to match, we would do that. But when we're doing something like a single unit uh, anterior all ceramic crown. We're going to get the shades that the computer gives us and then take pictures with those shade tabs in place. So now it's time to remove the old all ceramic crown and this uh, razor carbide from Axis Dental. And boy, look at that. Look, look at that bird just dive uh, into that crown. That's interesting. That's probably not a ceramic material. You know, as you know, it usually takes a lot 
uh, more cutting to get through there. There goes the distal half of the crown. And there's the layer of cement underneath it. And, oh, boy, something was left there. We either have new decay or something was left. That half doesn't want to come off. I hate this with bonded all-ceramic crowns, don't you? And so now we cut the other direction and the gingival half. Oh, I got lucky. You know how sometimes you have to cut that one in half as well. And look at how that thing carved out the gingiva there uh, between teeth number eight and nine. Let's chase this stain, this decay, and see what we've got here. Uh, it seems pretty rampant. But you know what? It looks like it was left there, doesn't it, by the previous uh, dentist? Because I don't see any area where uh, this stain and this decay connects to the margin to a point of leakage out into the mouth and so it appears as though this was left uh, underneath there and uh, maybe it leaked enough you saw the cement actually had some stain on it as well where some uh, simple sugars could get in to feed the bacteria and here we go time for the buildup again we're not going to place a post because we have enough two structure we can bond to here so we etch that groove that I cut while I was trying to cut the crown off, and then we etch, obviously, all the dentin where we remove the decay, and then we're going to place our Optibond onto all these areas. So uh, we've got plenty of tooth structure to bond here, too. The tooth is not endodontically treated for one thing, or you know maybe we would consider a post, but we really wouldn't, or I wouldn't put a post into this tooth because I still have plenty of good tooth structure to use as bonding area. And again, I've mentioned before, uh, that I just feel it weakens a tooth when I go in there and hollow it out for a post. I don't think that it uh, that it strengthens the tooth at all. The tooth uh, is probably at its maximum strength the way it was originally designed by nature. And we're adding some composite here. This is just a light cured flowable composite, which uh, I would rather prep uh, than some of the buildup materials that are out there. But a lot of the buildup materials that are out there are dual cure, and so it works really well for areas where you can't necessarily get a light uh, curing unit on, but this was a simple one to get to. So before we do the rest of the shaping, putting in our double zero cord, ultra pack cord from Ultra Dent, that hollow cord that's not impregnated with anything, hasn't been soaked in anything, and it'll stay in place for the rest of the procedure. There's a red grit diamond. See that red stripe on there? It's a 30 micron diamond being used and I like to use that when I have a lot of buildup material because it cuts slower than a super coarse burr. One of the problems using super coarse burrs on buildup materials is they tend to dive into the material because they're just a little too aggressive. So I like slowing things down. These are the times where it's just really easy with one false move to over prep or over taper. And so that red grit diamond's a great way around that. Here's our top cord, the second cord. This is a two E cord. Uh, from Ultranet, and we're packing this one into place around that tooth to give us the final retraction. A lot of times you can see things on the margin, little rough edges where you need to blend things, and that's what I'm just doing here is blending this. That margin, that pre-existing margin is farther subgingival than I would like it uh, to be, but I get the feeling that uh, if we have a nice closed margin here, we're going to be able to escape uh, the gingival irritation that... Um, that we had before. And so we're pulling the two cord, the double zero cord is still in place and you can see the huge sulcus that is now open around there. There's really no way to miss this impression. Um, that's a little more bleeding than we would normally see that small amount of blood that you see there because of the irritated gingiva. Uh, the better way to do this case is if I, you know, practice what I preached and, uh, put a temporary on and had the patient back and took it 
the impression next time, but the reality is she was going out of town. She wanted it done. She was kind of insistent. And um, in a perfect world, I would have put a tampering on for two weeks, had her back, and then done the master impression, which is how we typically do it. But we didn't have the opportunity to do that life. And dentistry and clinical practice is not always perfect. So trying in the restoration at this point, this is a Procera Zirconia crown. You're probably familiar with Procera from its Illumina days. And Zirconia is a much stronger material than the Illumina was. And you're familiar with Zirconia brands like Zircon and Lava and Clinical Zirconia. And a lot of dentists don't even know that Procera has a zirconia-based material out there, but you can see it's a really nice-looking crown. Again, I'm using that orange wood stick, and I'm holding it in place for the entire three minutes while the cement sets because I know I've got some gingival rebound from that pre-existing crown margin being so far subgingival. I've also told the patient she may need to have crown lengthening on this tooth. We're going to see if a proper crown with a closed margin if the gingiva is okay with this but long term if the gingiva is not okay she may need to have crown lengthening uh, done on that tooth to reestablish the biological width if in fact it has been violated which it doesn't appear to be it it seems to be related um, that inflammation that chronic inflammation she had around this tooth to the open margin and the leakage that was apparent when we took the crown off, more so than a straight-out biological width violation. This is Maximalite, a self-fetching resin cement from Kerr. And again, using a piece of glide floss to go through there. And one, two, three, you can see all the little pieces of uh, cement coming out as we clean that up. You can see we got a small open gingival embrasure between eight and nine. She had that before on the pre-existing crown, so we're kind of safe there. That's right about the limit of the size that will fill with uh, saliva and kind of be closed physiologically. You can see the gum tissue is looking better already just from a nice temporary. And just cleaning up with the Ceraglaze wheel from Axis, uh, polishing the front of that crown, making sure we don't have any cement on there, and using the 7408 burr on the lingual, anywhere where we have... Um, uh, occlusion that's uh, heavier than on the adjacent tooth or heavier than it needs to be. And uh, then we'll just polish with the Ceraglaze uh, cups and wheels on the lingual of that tooth as well. So, you know, you need to be careful when a patient comes in for a crown and they don't have an open gingival embrasure before. If they leave with an open gingival embrasure after your new crown has been put on, if they have an open gingival embrasure before, it's typically, especially on a single unit crown, it has more to do with the gingiva than it does to do with the crown. You just can't add, you know, necessarily a lump of ceramic material in or proximally. You can do it on the lingual and kind of sneak it in to close that space, but it's not as critical there. If this patient was hell-bent on having that gingival embrasure closed, the easy way to do it would be with the Procera Zirconia crown on tooth number eight and a no-prep veneer on tooth number nine. When doing both those teeth, it is easy to close that. But most of the time, it has to do, especially on these single-unit crowns, more with the position of the gingiva and less to do with the fact that the crown was deficient and did not have enough porcelain uh, interproximally. So when a patient starts out with that, if you get them back to the same place and they were okay with the crown before, you should be fine. And again, on the lingual, you can see where we've adjusted the occlusion, just going through the three uh, cup and wheel progression that comes with the uh, the Ceraglaze intraoral polishing kit. This is, I don't know if you can tell, but that's an electric handpiece. You can probably tell by the shape uh, and the size of the head of the handpiece. And as with all electric handpieces, my handpiece has a ton of torque and it really polishes well. There we are. I've wet the crown now. 
by letting her close her mouth and lick it. And you can see saliva fills in that gingival embrasure that is open if we blow air on that. And so that's a key point here is that physiologically, when the patient is, you know, talking and awake and walking around, saliva coat those teeth. And if you have a very small embrasure like that, the surface tension of the saliva in that gingival embrasure will hold the moisture in there so that you won't see uh, that tiny little black triangle that's in there. If you take it and blow it dry with air, uh, then that changes like as when we're working. You can see on the before on the upper left, you could see it physiologically while she was just there and you can see the irritation. And afterwards, you can see we have a crown that matches um, a lot better and that gingival embrasure actually is not uh, apparent there. Not that it's a huge deal, the difference between the two. I'm much more happy that we got rid of that chronic redness, which was actually her chief complaint when she came in. Uh, it's not that the crown was so horrific from an aesthetic standpoint. She just always wondered why. Uh, she always had that redness on her gum tissue, and we soon found out when we took the old crown off. On this next patient, we've got a pre-existing PFM bridge. Where do you start? Uh, we've got exposed metal margins, porcelain broken off it. You can see both teeth have been endodontically treated just by the dark shade of the root. And the patient's interested in getting a new bridge. I wanted to do uh, upper teeth uh, from tooth number four to tooth number 12. Patient could not afford it. So we're going to do the three-unit bridge and then we're going to do a no-prep veneer right next to it on 10. So this is going to be 7, 8, 9, and 10. And that's typically where we will draw the line. We'll do 7, 8, 9, and 10 and go all the way to the bicuspids. We won't just do 6 through 11 because it kind of looks fake. So we're going to try to make this blend in somehow doing just 7, 8, 9, and 10. There's the profound from Stevens Pharmacy to give us profound anesthesia on the inside of his lip. Little lip wiggling, sneak the needle into some taut tissue, and then let the STA take over and give some slow computer-controlled anesthesia that will not hurt, and I don't even have to think about it, so it's not stressful. The razor burr from Axis Dental. Let's see how quickly it'll cut through this metal here. Look at that. We're down to cement already. It's just ripping through the porcelain and the metal, which is fantastic. I used to have to switch back and forth between a diamond and a carbide, but uh, the razor carbide allows me just to fly through this stuff. This one's just a, a little bit easier than usual because uh, the margins of the bridge are super gingival. The margins are not uh, subgingival where we have to be careful not to cut the tissue. So we just need to make sure we get all the way through this down to the tooth and then we'll be able to use our Christensen crown remover from Hugh Freedy just to spread this bridge a little bit. And there's the movement that we were looking for and really as soon as you get that movement you can stop futzing around with the crown remover and grab onto it with something. Here's some curved hemostats. Grab it in approximately so you're not grabbing on the glazed porcelain and there we go. Ooh and look at underneath that pontic. That's kind of what we expect to see. Here's some viscostat clear being used just to kind of preemptively go in and stop any bleeding that might be there from the irritation, but it's a nice ovate ponic receptor site. Maybe it's just in there a little too tightly. Uh, maybe the porcelain wasn't glazed. There was some kind of irritation there, but I like the idea of the ovate ponic receptor site. And you can see we're going to drop the margins just uh, a little farther down. There's the 856025 coarse diamond burr from the reverse prep kit being used just to drop this margin down to the gingiva about a millimeter, millimeter and a half maybe, and just using this to kind of smooth up 
the gingival margin, make sure we've got nice taper on both of these walls. Want to have maximum retention. It's kind of a longish prep, as you can see. So, of course, the longer the prep, the more the walls have to converge and the less parallel the walls of the prep should be, especially on a bridge. You know, we want something that's going to seat all the way and slide passively into place, yet be well adapted to the teeth. So if we were going to have six degrees of, you know, convergence on a regular crown for a bridge, it's going to have to go up, you know, past 10. That's a difficult thing to see in the mouth, too, trying to get those convergence angles and try to keep from over-tapering preps. Basically, I start trying to cut the axial walls of my preps straight up and down or even undercut them a little bit. And then here as I finish with my 856-016 with the water turned off in a cable electric torque handpiece at uh, about 6,000 RPMs, I really get a look at what I'm doing and I can dial in that uh, convergence. But I do try to cut them straight up and down or undercut it. Here's the biotemps being pushed into place. They do uh, seat passively. We've got a little exposed margin on that one area, but we don't have an ovate uh, ponic receptor site here. So you can see my assistant drilling a couple of little holes with the lab handpiece into the tissue side of the biotemp. So she has decided to create an ovate ponic receptor site. So you can see those three holes on the biotemp. And she's going to put some uh, flowable composite resin into those holes and then kind of build it up soft serve ice cream style, if you will, and dispense the flowable out onto that, cure it a little bit, probably add a little more flowable, and just build it up a little bit so that the tissue side of that pontic will fit right into the ovate pontic receptor site that's already there. As long as you have that, you know, we've certainly spent enough time on these DVDs and on the Biotemp DVD in particular, showing how to create those ovate ponic receptor sites. We already have an ovate ponic receptor site here, so let's go ahead and maintain it. No reason to switch to a modified ridge lap because the aesthetics are better here. So there she is contouring the cervical third of the ponic uh, with a disc, then with a burlu wheel. Now again with a diamond disc to open up the gingival embrasures here. This should all be done by your well-trained auxiliary who hopefully has watched you uh, place enough temps and place enough uh, permanent restorative dentistry to know how this is all supposed to work and how it's all supposed to fit. And uh, the bridge has now been trimmed, has been confirmed to passively fit, and she's finished the ovate ponic receptor site and has some pretty good margins, so we are now going to seat the bridge into place, remove the excess, wiggle the bridge off, uh, do a little additional trimming just to make sure we're not pushing back on the gingiva anywhere and send the patient home. Next appointment, first thing out of the bat, here we are. Here's my assistant taking the shade on those teeth. So either we, we probably didn't do it last time, and by the time we thought of it, it was too late and the teeth had dehydrated. So first thing in the door, uh, we're taking the shade today, which is fine. You can tell that last time the biotemps weren't a perfect match. So either it was taken on dehydrated teeth or taken... Uh, by hand, but this time as soon as the patient walks in, uh, we're going to go ahead and get that shade because of the fact that uh, this is the impression appointment, so the restorations have not been started yet. Double zero cord goes around both the prep teeth. And now the 2E cord, Ultra Pack cord from Ultradent, goes in around both of the preparations as well. And we'll get a nice look at the margin. Boy, there's a great look at the margin. You can really see what's going on at that margin on both of them, both the teeth, once that second cord is in, and then you can make a decision whether or not you need to smooth up the margin at all. 
I have a little hole that I want to fix. So again, I'm using a self-etch flowable resin composite. So basically you just prep a hole or have a hole and you fill it with that material and then light cure it. There's the Demi uh, cure unit, the LED cure unit from Kerr, which I love. Now the Sonic Flex Air Scaler is being used with a diamond tip in it just to go through a fine diamond tip and smooth off that preparation completely. I'm a big fan of smooth preparations. It makes every step of this bridge fabrication a little bit easier as we move on. The anatomical copper capture in place, 8-10 minutes. We're going to pull that cord and there's going to be a nice big sulcus here for us to squirt impression material into. Let's see if we see it. There it is. Nice big sulcus. That's why we can use medium body material. In fact, because of that sulcus, we need to use medium body material. Light body material gets so far subgingival, it would actually tear when removing the impression. Custom tray filled with the heavy body material goes into place for three minutes. I love custom trays, and there's the result. A nice looking uh, impression with some good margins on it. We try in the bridge. Let the patient see it, and this is now being cemented with uh, Maxim Elite from Kerr and the Adico Pinewood Bite Sticks being used to push that into place. We have an Ovate Ponic on our Procera Zirconia Bridge as well, and just holding that in place for a minute or two. And once that's been all cleaned up, we're now going to etch tooth number 10. This is our no prep veneer. You can see teeth number 11, 12, and 13 would really benefit from no prep veneers as well as would the teeth on the other side, but this is where the patient uh, wants to be and what the patient wants to do for the time being. Actually, the patient just wanted to do the bridge. I had to bring up the veneer on tooth number 10 and suggest that it'd be a really good idea because of no prepping. So the etch is rinsed off and the Optibond adhesive from the Optibond FL systems put into place, air thinned, and then we're going to go ahead and cure it. And then there's our veneer on the surgical suction tip with the Nexus, the clear Nexus NX3 cement on the inside, orange wood stick. Going into place, hold it down on the facial and then push on the incisal as well. Make sure it's down all the way. Uh, one or two second cure, clean it up. There's seven, eight, nine, and 10. And that was the retracted view where you can see everything that you'll never see in real life. I'm more concerned with the smile view, although we always show the retracted view to show exactly what happens so there's no suspicion. But even in this retracted view in the before and after, it looks pretty decent, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Certainly looks better than it did before. In fact, as we just kind of pause on this last before and after, look at the bridge in the before, uh, seven, eight, and nine. And imagine if we had just redone that bridge, it would look better, but look at how much better it looks with tooth number 10 thrown in. And I grant you some more no prep veneers, two or three on either side would have been nice. But for what the patient allowed us to do, we got a great aesthetic result utilizing a Procera Zirconia bridge and one V veneer, no prep veneer. I hope you had a chance to see how cementable Procera Zirconia based restorations can look just as good as all ceramic restorations that need to be bonded to place. The next time you have a clinical situation that calls for a high strength cementable all ceramic restoration, give Procera Zirconia a try. On behalf of all of us here at the lab, I'd like to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry.